welcome to the Wicked Awesome Podcast. This is your host, Matt, speaking. Joined today by my friend, Eric, and we're going to review Jane's Addiction's debut album, 1988, Nothing Shocking. How are you, Eric? I'm doing great. How are you, Matthew? Oh, I can't complain. You looking good? No, thank you. So aren't you. So aren't you. you. Yeah, I bought this... uh, uh, this uh, gouache, I, I think it's called gouache, gouache or something. It's like this stone that you rub on your face. No and, way, really? Yeah, What's and it it's do? supposed to open up lymph nodes and makes you look younger or something. Nice. <laughs> Sweet. You look I, like you're like 28. 28. I like that. I Yeah. Yep. Uh, sometimes I feel like I, I think in my mind, I still am 28. Uh, but then I try to lift something heavy or yeah. maybe bend over uh, yeah. a certain way. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not 28. I'm yeah, not, not, not anymore. 20. Yeah. 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 You you working out? You lifting weights? Uh, I, I am. I am trying. I'm, I'm really trying to focus on my diet. Uh, as I get older, it seems like I, I feel everything I eat. Yep. So, uh, you know. Uh, we, as you get our age, you get into uh, inflammation and all that stuff and what, what your body likes and what your body doesn't like. And it just seems like you could eat anything you wanted in your younger days and still, you know, play soccer or do whatever, but, uh, geez, every, everything I I'm trimming things out of my diet just so I can feel a little bit more energy and have a little bit less, uh, inflammation and, and and all that stuff. And right. Yeah. It's a struggle. Yeah, that's what happens when you turn 50. It's yeah, like, it, uh, something there's just like this switch that either turns off, turns on. I don't know, it has to turn off. It, it's a it's a turn off switch. But yeah, that's why I eat high fiber cereal, uh, you know, less potato chips, yep. certainly no soda. Holy cow. Yeah, no. Oh. You think think about soda and I uh, think about uh, my younger day. I haven't drank uh, soda for a while, but now when you drink a soda if you have to or if you think eh, i'm, I'm gonna try it again it mm-hmm. tastes like syrup it tastes, it, like it syrup. tastes so thick and sugary uh, yep. but it's it's funny how you can uh you get uh, train your taste buds to to like stuff that's uh better for you i do exactly. fizzy water yeah I, I got know the fizzy you do. water yeah i got my uh I'll hold mine up in front of the camera. Listeners won't be able to see it. You like the polar stuff? Yeah, this is polar. Now all of a sudden they get into, you know, these are the fancy ones. Mm. These are, this is blueberry lemonade though. It's yeah, not, sounds good. Yeah, it's but it's, you know, it's no calorie and it's all natural. Just, uh, right. it's just lemon and blueberries for goodness sake. How yeah. dare you call it? Lemonade. But no sugar, right? No sugar. Sugar's, absolutely. Sugar's no. so bad for you. Yeah, oh, sugar's <laughs> terrible. Yeah, I, I just did people think i'm cheap because i just do the hannaford brand the black cherry and yeah like that's good that's orange good tangerine but the thing is i like the taste of it better than the than the other ones it's not just because it's cheap yeah i tend to like the uh the hannaford brand black cherry myself mm. it's like my favorite thing. and you can get like a 12 pack for like three bucks exactly it's exactly. cheaper than water right it's ridiculous <laughs> Here we are. I mean, we're not even sponsored by these fizzy water companies. We should be. We're giving them plugs. <laughs> we should be, damn it. Exactly. Yeah. You listen to these podcasts, the first 20 minutes is like, today it's brought to you by blah, 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 blah. <laughs> ben it, ben you know, Gay. Exactly. <laughs> or some green algae thing that <laughs> I haven't drank coffee in a month and I'm drinking this green goop. And I yeah. tell you what. <laughs> It's like, no, you're not. Yeah. Don't lie to me. <laughs> no, no, you're not. Yeah, you're uh, yeah, and that's the thing. We're authentic. We we're really authentic. Are. Exactly. Exactly. We wouldn't advertise something we don't use ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. And we'll and mark that one down. Exactly. Mark that one down. We won't go back on that. So I guess uh 1988, this uh, uh, album came out. And I think in the 1980s, we grew up in the worst decade for music i firmly believe that i will say this every year that we've been alive you can take music from any year that we've been alive and you can find good music out of any yeah of those years i will say that um but what we were exposed to say back when we were teenagers 
was pretty much limited to what we heard on the radio. And every once in a while, you would hear uh, some kid that would have an album like this and you'd listen to it and you, it sounded so different than what you right. were used to. You just quickly right. dismissed it. Right. Um, so um, what's your feeling? I mean, go back to 1988. What were you listening to? Can you remember? Uh, uh, yeah, I was I was definitely not a top 40 guy. I was listening to uh, Led Zeppelin, uh, Kiss, uh, more, I guess, would you call that 60s and 70s stuff in the 80s? Yeah, and you'd it'd be called classic rock. Maybe Kiss wasn't yeah. in the classic rock genre yet. Right. Right. Um, right. And I that would have been the year. It would have been the fall of our senior year of high school. Where I started to listen to Zeppelin, Hendrix, ACDC, ACDC, most yeah. definitely, yeah. who did put out an album this particular year, which I bought. Uh, now, what was the, was the name of that album? Aaron Burr. Um, <laughs> blow up your video. Blow up yes. your video. Yeah. Which was terrible. That was a terrible album. I think we wanted to like it, but really, no, that's an album I can. Yeah. Leave. Yeah. Leave. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. I do remember Keith Richards' first solo album came out. I, being a Stones guy, I bought that and listened to it and liked it. Yeah. Uh, I listened to The Doors. As far as the modern music of that time, I, I was still into Def Leppard because I had just seen him in concert. Right. I could not stand Poison, Motley Crue, and all right. that, Cinderella, all that hair metal crap. Uh, so it's, it's pretty much it was classic rock yeah well Def Leppard were they hair metal <sighs> they were right on the edge weren't they because I I really didn't put them in the same category as as like you said Poison and Motley Crue and I although I like Motley Crue and I can they see. were they were kind of in the Def Leppard zone yeah and then yeah. you had the just the hair band not wannabes but that's all they were in it for. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I guess it's unfair to really call Motley Crue uh, hair metal because they were around really before the hair metal right. explosion. Yes. So they were they were kind of a product of Kiss, if you will, just that makeup yes. and showmanship, heavy yeah. metal. I mean, they were heavy metal. I mean, yes, it's yes. Mainstream heavy metal. Yeah. Leopard. Yeah, Def Leppard would fall into that too. Mainstream heavy metal. And they started off as young British guys. And I would mm. say Hysteria was the album that pushed him into the top 40 permanently for a few years. Yeah. But then you're right. The hair metal, those guys were in there just for the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It was about image and... Teasing their hair up just as high as they could. Yeah. Right, right. Music that completely forgettable as yeah. far as i'm concerned yeah uh, yeah 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 so and yeah so i did not like that when people feel nostalgic for poison and cinderella uh white snake even they had some good ballads yeah on, Matt. you danced to the ballads didn't you in high school <sighs> you slow dance well, you any excuse to slow dance with a, a pretty, pretty lady, sure, sure, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah. And I don't know, jeez, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess that's the only stuff you can really slow dance to when, mm. you, when it comes down to it. It's like yeah. uh, foreigner, I can't stand, but mm. you know. What's that song? I've been waiting for oh, a yeah. girl like you to come. In. I mean, that's yeah. You're gonna slow dance to that. But yep. If you want me to play that in a cover band, yeah, I might you're, slap not, you. you're not gonna play that in your vehicle by yourself driving to town, or it, no, no, because you want to hear it exactly. Unless, Unless I want to cry about a breakup you had or something in high school. Right, right, yeah. it, right, exactly exactly yeah. so we covered that <laughs> <laughs> i remember so with this album i remember uh the mount view high school library had the rolling stone magazine uh, yep. behind the desk so i remember signing out 
the new Rolling Stone whenever it came out and would read it. So I remember reading an article about Jane's addiction when this came out. And I'm like, wow, these guys are the biggest freaks. Like you're talking about uh, the lead singer was once a male prostitute. It said in the article, I don't know if he ever was, but that's what mm-hmm. they claimed. Uh, you know, it was talking about drug addiction, uh, heroin addiction. It's just like, oh, God, you know, these guys are scary. <laughs> then you see the album cover of those two naked women they're mannequins with their hairs with their hair on fire oh they're mannequins yeah they're actual mannequins it's some artwork but it's like oh but you know this is scary i don't don't think so so without even listening to a note my image of this band at 17 years old was already i i didn't uh in high school i didn't seek these guys out uh, mm-hmm. as far as, uh, like I did Led Zeppelin and, you know, sure. you look Led Zeppelin and ACDC and, and some of the main, you know, bands that I listened to, I, I looked for their material wherever right. you, know, you dig in to find their older material and the previous records. But, uh, I, I liked a couple of their songs, Jane Addicts, cause they were played on the radio mm-hmm. and uh, they were familiar and the ones I did hear, I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, they had, they have a distinctive sound and, uh, they're creative. Um, and, uh, and not only that, a lot of their songs are catchy, you know, and, and have a good hook and, and, uh, they're decent musicians. So, uh, the ones I did here, uh, it, so this was a good, because I got a chance to go through that album and, and hear songs that, that I didn't, uh, necessarily seek out, uh, when I first, uh, you know, came, became familiar with these guys. So, yeah yeah and same i didn't become familiar really with jane's addiction till their riccio de habitual album came out with big god stealing what i was fat you know that yeah and i heard that on uh one on 100.3 whatever yeah, yeah. Uh, that bangor radio it's wkit yes so, so i'm like all right yeah, I can groove to this. Okay, cool. And then, but then it really wasn't until 1993 that I really, really, truly got into the, this album. Uh, mm. I had not listened to the song Jane Says, uh, and that was my first true exposure to this album. Was Did that get Jane much play? Uh, I don't remember. I, I not not at the time no i mean for where we grew up anyway i'm sure right. there were some uh uh indie rock stations across the country where it did get sure. a considerable amount of play but uh as far as it may have got some play on wtos uh but wkit came kind of after we we're out of high school so this song would have been older at that point uh, so i think that's part of the reason why i had never heard it until then and right. I'm like, wow, this song's great. Wow. Yeah, it's a good song, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, it's interesting researching this album. It's like, this is their LA group, like Guns N' Roses, and Guns N' Roses' mm-hmm. Appetite for Destruction came out a year before this. These LA bands were arrogant as hell. Um, mm. They were very popular on the Hollywood strip. And even and living like a bunch of just rats, you know, <laughs> places that were just filthy, gross, but they all ha- already had these egos, like they knew they were going to make it. Right. So the path is this radio executive, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, record company executives start coming in, recruiting these bands, and they're saying no to many of them trying to get the best deal. Right. And I'm like, wow. I mean, that's arrogant as hell, considering you're not making any money. And uh, maybe yeah. in, in retrospect, I guess it was smart. Arrogant and risky, right? Arrogant and highly risky. I mean, because show a lot of show business, you know, as well as I do, there's a lot of phenomenal musicians out there that don't make it. That don't. Just, just incredible. Yeah. Um, and, and they don't make it because they haven't had that chance or that little bit of luck. Exactly. Uh, Exactly. And you'll see them playing on the street and they're playing on the street because they can't find a job. I mean, was it, was it, uh, I don't know. Was it uh, that attitude? uh, Maybe 
they just knew they were that good. I mean, you know a good song when you when you hear it. And well, they were they were in the right place and playing the right places. So if you're yes. playing like the Troubadour uh, on the Hollywood Strip and uh, yeah, those other those other places, they already seen some minor Jojo. success. Yeah. They've seen some minor success. They live in the town where all the record companies are based. Uh, so those guys, those uh, executives can just walk down the street and see these guys. So it's yeah. they're in the right place. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Jane's Addiction, they get this record deal from Warner Brothers. And half of the songs are written by the bass player. OK. Perry Farrell, the lead singer, has the audacity to say, I want 50 percent of the royalties because I wrote most of the material. And I want another 12% on top of that. So he's going to get 62% of the royalties. The rest of the band members are going to get 12%. The other three guys walk out before they even record anything. Like, you know, screw you, which I would have done too. The producer gets them back in. And in the end, the singer ended up getting exactly what he demanded. And this was how this was the beginning of these guys recording together. And then from that point on, they had problems. Uh, the bass sure. player was kind of in and out and they only record recorded four studio albums. Right. Uh, which I don't know. I it'd be like stout going, OK, I'm going to keep half the money for all our gigs. The rest of you guys yeah. get 12 percent. Right. I'd be like, screw you, stout. <laughs> but but look at it this way, Matt. Uh, it'd be like Freddie Mercury doing that. Mm-hmm. So what are the, what's Queen going to do without Freddie Mercury? That's true. I know the other guys are phenomenal musicians, mm-hmm. no doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you don't have Freddie Mercury and Queen, what do you have? You just got another band. Yeah, you have nothing. Is it, is it yeah. similar to this? Is This guy does have a unique voice, a unique style. And when you hear his vocals, you immediately know it's Jane, Jane's Addiction, right? That's true. I mean, that's true. Yeah. So, yeah. is that why the guys capitulated? You know, because uh, they knew it. They knew right? it, right? And here's a bunch of guys who have nothing to begin with. So this gives them right. something, right? But in the end of that, you have a lot of resentment. Exactly. And that's that's you know that's not healthy for the band. Right. Right. Yeah. So we'll go the buy through this. Uh, track by track and then uh, we can give our kind of closing thoughts at the end if you're comfortable with that sure okay up the beach i just uh i thought this was just a good intro song to show what the band was about there's no lyrics it's just it comes in you know with the bass the drum the guitar some really good echoey reverb effects on Mm -hmm. everything and it's kind of just a brief little synopsis of what you're kind of about to hear sure uh yeah that's a i was thinking the same thing this could actually if you put this uh as a three minute introduction onto the the ocean size song mm-hmm. i mean it, w- it would work too it's basically an introduction to the to the album uh almost like a, a mood setter like you said you just kind of chill and listen to it uh yeah i no lyrics, like mm-hmm. you said. Yep. Yeah, I agree he, totally. Yeah, exactly. He screams a few times. He's like, yep, this is kind of my, this is my vocal range. And uh, this is what my voice sounds like. And these are the effects that I put on my voice throughout the album. And right. hope you enjoy it. Right. Right. Yeah. Chill so, and sit back and listen. Exactly. Exactly. And this, and it's that type of album. This is the type of album that you do. You just chill, sit back and listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> You, and I can listen to the whole album. Oh yeah. yeah. This is, this is one of those albums that you, you don't skip songs. I can listen to all these, these songs. And, and it, like I said, they're, they're very creative. The songs are very, even though they sound very similar as mm-hmm. far as their style, they're very distinctive in, in the way they, they construct them. Right. Right. So then it gets into ocean size and, uh, what do you think about ocean size? I'd like to hear your breakdown of ocean size. I like it. I, I, I mean, it's just a good solid song. Uh, it's upbeat. Um, of course, it, his distinctive vocals, are probably the reason this song works so well. 
um, if anybody else sung it. I don't, I don't know if it would be, you know, if I would like it as much as I do. Uh, but he sings in that. I don't know. Is that a style? Is it almost a falsetto kind of the whole time? It's, is there a style that you can put a name or a title? I, what he, I don't he know if you can because it's 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 unique to him. It's almost yeah. like whiny. Um, yes. And I feel like it should annoy the living piss out of me. Right. Uh, but for some reason, it doesn't because uh, it just it, it, it fits. I don't even know if you would call him technically a great singer, but what he's doing works. Yeah, and, it's it's all about uh, fitting in with that music and, you know, having a unique, distinct voice. Um, I mean, he doesn't obviously he doesn't sound like every other singer. Uh, nobody sounds like him or sings like him. Right. Um, so it's, 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 it's a cool, uh, cool variation on vocals. That's for sure. Your microphones just got a little bit lower, Eric. I can still hear you. But How's that? I think that'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. And I also put down the baseline to this is really, really good. Uh, all of these baselines are, uh, they're simple, and they sound, but they sound complex. It's just like, wow, man. It's just like the tone's good. Uh, and Dave Navarro, uh, the guitar, I was like, wow, that guy's got some chops. I, yeah. Dave Navarro's become one of those guys that you see maybe a little bit too much and you get annoyed with uh, because he's always got his shirt off. He's always got his shirt off and he's got, he just, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I know it, you should be really annoyed with him. You should, like right? You said, yeah. Right, but he's actually he actually can play guitar. Maybe yeah. he's even a little bit underrated as a guitar player. Uh, I think so, probably. Yeah, because yeah. he doesn't come up really much in the conversation of uh, great modern rock guitar players. Maybe he should a little more. He's uh, got a pretty good lead in the song. Yep. Uh, I I really like the chord progression. I mean, it's a driving chord progression. I mean, it just goes on and it builds and builds and builds. Uh, it, like you said, it matches the bass line perfectly. Then it has a nice little acoustic interlude, which you're a guitar guy. That must be hard to do live. If you're playing like, I mean, can you get a good acoustic guitar effect on an electric guitar? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, it, it's, you can do it with just a, a good clean clon type pedal. Mm -hmm. uh and they have some uh i have a, a acoustic pedal that, that uh sounds pretty good uh it you know it's not an acoustic but it mm -hmm. sounds like an acoustic it's a it's weird well i should say you and i would know and people that play music would know it's not an acoustic but it has that it, it makes that acoustic sound it's pretty cool right in this case they recorded in a studio i mean you're having these loud guitar electric guitar sounds with multiple effects and all of a sudden it just goes straight acoustic so right. you know he's doing an actual pedal yeah yeah um it reminded me so wish i was ocean size i remember reading a book to my son miles when he was like seven or eight i used to read to him before uh, bedtime and this is a he was getting into chapter books and I can't remember the title of the book, but it was like some dragon kid. And he had to, a kid who was a dragon. And so he has to do a science report and he chooses oceans. Uh, so he goes home and he goes to his mother. Hey, mom, um, I have to do this science report on oceans. And his mother goes, oh, you should talk to cousin Edward. He responds with, oh, I didn't know cousin Edward was an ocean. and I laughed. I didn't expect this book to have something funny like that. And I laughed so uncontrollably. Like I started to sound like high pitched, like a little girl in my house is going, daddy, stop. You're scaring me. <laughs> Rachel runs upstairs and is like, what's going on? <laughs> but that was, that was funny. <laughs> well, it, it also it, it's, it's funny how some, Sometimes things can hit you at the right time exactly. or the wrong time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, but this song reminded me of that that story. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, so going into number three, had a dad, and I just say yes 
funk. This is good. Yeah, yeah, funk. yeah. You know, just like slamming like bass boom riff with a good nice little guitar backing mm-hmm. it up when yeah this is some good funk we like the funk yeah it's got a good intro good drum bang and gets you all cranked up mm-hmm. and this i mean we i uh before band practice yesterday there was a guy there that is also a musician uh, not part of the band but is there just to kind of hang out his name's scott and so I mentioned how I was doing this podcast today. And he's like, oh, wow. Yeah, geez. I wore out two CDs of that. I love that album so much. And I'm like, don't you think this album was grunge before grunge? He's like, what are you talking about? Really? No. <laughs> now, when that, when that album came out, it was just weird. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, you know, and and I fed into that and I'm like, you know what? He's right. It's like these guys didn't purposely go out there to like create a new style of music or anything like that. But with all the songs that like Nirvana did about being a single or a kid of from a single parent or having their dad right. and whatever else is reminiscent of that. Uh, the song's based so- off the bass player who found out that his dad much later in life wasn't his biological dad i guess right so, so. right yeah but well, that's anyway. uh, where most of good songs most good songs come from tragedy and pe- songwriters lives seems like that's right which is interesting that he wrote that this is an upbeat folk song that i want to you know slap the bass to yeah you know and, yeah and another another good uh you know driving chord progression by Dave. He plays a couple solos in it, just cranking double stop, just crazy uh solos. It's it's uh I like it. It's good stuff. It's it's one you it's one you'd crank in the car, that's for sure. Exactly. And it's not it doesn't rely on heavy distortion, finger tapping and wah wah pedals no. and uh you know all that other stuff. Uh, well actually maybe there is a wah wah uh, whammy bars. That's what I'm thinking of. Whammy bars. Yeah. Does he does he do a lot of whammy bars? Is he just doing that with his fingers? I think I, he's just it, doing that with his fingers. He might he yeah. probably does some whammy bar. Because he's a fender guy, I think. I believe yeah. Yeah. I think he's a fender guy. So he may have a whammy bar. He may have a whammy bar. Yeah. Yeah. Which whammy bars are fine uh, as long as they're not overused. Right. Yeah. Right. But there's a lot of Gibson guys that get the you know do the whammy bar stuff with the, you know, with their hands, with their fingers or similar. Similar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the next one, um, Ted, just admit it. Some people mistake this for uh, n- nothing shocking, but the name of the song is not nothing shocking. They just happen to say it. Uh, right. But, um, but you know what this song is in reference to, don't you? Uh, I'm going to find out. I, I I was wondering, reading through the lyrics, I didn't really get to the bottom of it. You can, I'm, I'm sure you're going to enlighten me. I'm going to enlighten you, Eric. Yeah. Okay, good. It has to do with uh, Ted Bundy. And basically, Ted, just admit that you did it, you freaking hammer. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. that's where the sex is violence thing comes in and, and all yeah. that stuff. I'm like, this is a weird song. You know what's weird, though? This is freaking creepy okay um okay, up to this okay this is 1988 ted bundy wasn't executed till early 1989 mm-hmm. so when this album came out ted bundy had not admitted to any of the murders at all okay then you think of the sex is violent and the repetition of that okay right a year later, Ted Bundy, never hearing this album whatsoever, starts admitting to these murders and some murders that they weren't even aware that he did. Right. He's interviewed by a porn, uh, a guy who's against pornography, because Ted Bundy now is saying that it was pornography that kind of his exposure to pornography over the years is what led him to become a serial killer. Sure. Sure. Plus, he was a psycho. It, when it's yeah, exactly. And you can see this. It's a half hour interview you can watch on YouTube. And anyway, throughout the interview, Ted Bundy is equating sex and violence like 
often. Yeah. So I feel like this song is like this eerily foreshadowing of like Ted actually admitting it. Like, yeah, it just gives me the heebie-jeebies. Hmm. Yeah, and and he never heard the song. I, and he never heard the song. Right. That's, right. That's crazy. Yeah, but it's it gets into also just our fascination with serial killers. I mean, how many movies and documentaries have we seen on Ted Bundy over the years? I mean, I've actually watched a document documentary on him. Yeah. I've watched a couple uh, over yeah. the years. And I remember back in the eighties, Mark Harmon was in a TV movies uh, like miniseries about yeah. Ted Bundy and the Ted Bundy tapes on Netflix is the documentary, the most recent one, which is actually pretty good. Right. But why are we fascinated with it? It's just like the John Wayne John Wayne uh, Gacy tapes I just watched and binge that like in one night. It's like <laughs> it, I don't know. I think it's the the I, I most people uh, most people would never even think of doing something like that, or or especially. Uh, get off on doing something like that or or have that drive to you know i can't stop myself from doing something like that in the the cruelty and the the seared conscience that someone has to have to 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 go up and and you know do that to somebody uh innocent innocent people too i i mean young girls and it, it's just so outrageous and so uh uh audacious it's just i think people can't see that in themselves mm -hmm. so they it it you know gives them a fascination somewhat with it and and a curiosity because of that i think yeah and it's also somewhat satisfying to know that these guys have been caught that evil uh, always does good always triumphs over evil in the end uh, so there's yeah. that part of it uh also, I guess when things get really bad with me and I think I'm a bad person, I can always think, you know what? At least I'm not Ted Bundy. <laughs> I'm not Ted Bundy. I'm not Ted Bundy. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yep. We're, you know, yeah, we, we, we all can reflect on ourselves and, and, and who we are. And, and I don't care what anybody says. We all have, uh, you know, bad things in our past mm -hmm. or, you know, you might have treated somebody you know that like you you know like you now maybe as you get older and mature uh may look back and go i was an idiot that exactly. what a jerk i was and all that stuff uh mm -hmm. so yeah. yeah and we've all had those experiences and if you claim you have it you are a liar <laughs> and, and you're not very uh uh self-reflective or uh, you, you don't look at your own actions. There's a lot of people in this world, and you can attest to this, that that don't don't really uh, look at themselves in the mirror often. They just they just trudge along in life and and do what they do, uh, and they're not very self aware. I think uh, as I, I, and I know I know we've talked before. Uh, as we get older, as I get older, I you know I get I get more and more self aware. Uh, yes. and, and even, you know, in the conversations, I know we have a, a political thread that, that we look at. You know, I, I like to look at what you guys have to say and, and think, okay, uh, let me let me go through in my head that that whole process. It was not that thought process from uh, from my upbringing, or is it something I gathered on the way, or have I really thought this through? And mm -hmm. uh, it, it makes me go through my, you know, my political platform, so to say, or my political uh, foundation, or, or even my philosophical uh, foundation on, on, on life. Sure. And, sure. Uh, and, and go through that and, and check it, right? Absolutely. Why, why not be skeptical about things and, and check and don't just believe something because you were taught it or look into it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's good to have a healthy level of skepticism with all your beliefs or yeah. all the information that is the uh, thrown your way. I mean, yeah, address it with a healthy uh, form of skepticism. Do your research. Uh, trace yeah. back your value system. Why do you have the beliefs that you have? Uh, right. Right. And then try to figure out where someone else is coming from as well. Right. You know, right. that's how we 
get to understand one another yes. and appreciate one another. It's just yes. exactly uh, back to the song. Ted, just admit it. Love that baseline. Yes. Um, the problem is, it's just like I always figured that I'd love to cover this uh, with yeah. you guys in the band. But the fact of the matter is, we'd just be playing for ourselves. It's unless you were playing in front of a bunch of uh, stoners or uh, trippers or something. Right, right. Um, you'd be playing for yourself. Uh, pretty simple song when you think about it. Uh, just, yeah. uh, you know, the message is kind of creepy. Uh, yes. Uh, so, yeah. But that's pretty much all I have to say about that one. Yeah. Uh, Standing in the showers, the next song. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This one I said, meh, <laughs> kind of forgettable. But uh, then it's just like, okay, so you're standing in the shower and you're thinking, are you masturbating too? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't really give it much thought. It's just one of those. Uh, it's a funky kind of a, a fast song, but I don't know if I have anything I, else much to say about this one. I don't know why, but uh, listening to the song, of course, the, I don't know what he's doing in the shower, uh, looking at the lyrics. Uh, I didn't, I guess it's something I don't really want to analyze, I guess, too much. But it it sounds like a, I don't know, it's weird. Maybe you'll agree with me or not, but I think of The Who when I listen to the song. Oh, really? No kidding. Yeah, for, and I don't know if it's just the, the, the chord progression or the beat or what it is, but the, uh, it, it's like a mixture of... Uh, who songs to me? Huh. I will have to, I'm going to go back and listen to it. With yep. that in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, at first I said, ah, they just threw this song in there to kind of, cause they needed songs to put on the album to make it complete. But I guess they had 18 songs on a demo already, yep. uh, before this was released. So they obviously chose this one for a more important reason than just as a filler. So sure. Yeah. He's standing in the shower. Yeah. I think he's standing in the shower and he's just thinking about life and, you know, just yeah, I can trust her. She understood. So she let, yeah, probably reflecting kind of looks like he's reflecting on life and his relationships and yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, cool. So the next time I take a shower too, I think I'll do the same thing. It does say here's a, here's a line. The water is piping hot. It beats upon my neck and I'm pissing on myself. Oh, he's peeing in the shower. Well, yeah. Yeah. Nobody, I, nobody does that. Never, never. I, nope. I have never, ever once pissed in the shower. I just, just nasty. I get out and go to the bathroom and then I get back in the shower. Exactly. And then I turn the water off in the process. So I'm not wasting it while I'm taking right. a leak. Yeah. Jeez, you pissers in the shower, you. <laughs> uh, summertime rolls. Uh, I just wrote good long song with uh, great ba uh, bass backing. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, and I, I, I now I can't read my own handwriting, but that's pr it's pretty okay. much it. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a little psychedelic. Yeah, it's slow. It's it's kind of like a chill song. Mm -hmm. it's a, I think it's a good break in the album. It is. I, I mean, because yeah. you know a lot of the songs are upbeat, but it's almost like the inter, It's almost like a continuation of the uh, you know the introduction shot song we talked about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, exactly. And if you're listening, as you say, when you listen to this, you listen to the whole album. And yeah. if you're driving in the car, you kind of get a little bit of everything, man. It's right. just like you're getting that upbeat kind of thing where you're dancing while you're steering the wheel. Then it's like you get this slowdown where you're kind of just like, all right, I can just I can sit back for six minutes and listen to this. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think I wrote as a side note that all these songs are really simple. When you break down the chord progressions, a lot of these songs are only two chords. Yeah. Maybe they throw a third chord in there at the very end of the song. Right. Uh, but they sound complex. They're simple songs that actually that yeah. sound complex. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, just We're cool, cool guitar riffs that like, Oh yeah, I can figure out what he's doing, but it, but it, you actually take a second to think about it. Same with the right. baseline. And yeah. Yeah. I was talking with a buddy the other day and we were talking about musicians and, and, and bands and uh, how you can be a very, uh, you could be an excellent musician, very technical uh, and just wow people, mm -hmm. but you might not be able to make, you know, uh, write a, a catchy song with two chords that will make people want to listen to it. 
Exactly. You know, it's because I I I look at like Stevie Vai. Yeah. I I nobody no there's very few people that can play guitar like him. Correct. And it's and it's pleasant, but there's a lot of people that I listen to on guitar that uh, aren't half the technician that he is, but I enjoy listening to more. Oh yeah. No question. You know, put, put the whole genre of blues in there. Mm-hmm. A lot of the blues players aren't technical, but they're so expressive with the notes that they do play. Uh, exactly. It, it just hits you. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's uh, Steve. I, I wouldn't go out and buy any of his music. I don't nope. really put it up on my Spotify like ever. If it happens to show nope. up, maybe I'll listen to it. But it's like, oh, yeah, OK. Yeah, yeah. I, I would go watch him in concert yep. because I'm a guitar player mm-hmm. and, and I, 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 I am impressed by what he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you gave me a choice between going to see Stevie Vai and, and uh, ACDC in concert, there's not even, oh, not even, not a, even question. a question. Right. And Angus, as good as a guitar player as he is, he's not the most technical, no, but he has taken... Uh, he's taken blues rock riffs and and flipped them around so many different times, and every time he does it, he makes it sound fresh and 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 you know does another song with it. Mm-hmm. Just a simple blues guitar riff, and he's so creative that way, mm-hmm. and the way he plays it, right? Exactly, so. exactly. And it's just to me that's what it's all about. It's just the passion for the instrument and uh, the fact that you can convey what you're feeling uh, to the listener if you can play one note and just bend the hell out of it and play with the utmost emotion uh right yeah i'm gonna feel that man i'm not gonna feel right you know right (laughs) you know it's it's you know sometimes it's impressive but again that's that's what you get it's impressive Mm -hmm. you look at bb king i mean he all those old blues guys buddy guide bb mm-hmm. king not the most technical only mm-hmm. played a few notes and two or three chords and played song after song and and, and just i'd, I'd listen to him over and over again oh yeah absolutely absolutely at number seven the mountain song wtos yeah. intro or it used yes to, i don't know if it still is something tells me it probably is yeah it, it, it i mean where else are they going to find a, a, a hook like that right yeah yeah and I said, sung on a regular basis by rich white yuppies skiing in the Rockies going on three decades. <laughs> you know, they're going, coming down to Burton. <laughs> <Ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. laughs> oh, jeez. But great song. Great. Just, yeah, good rocking song with just like, you know, screaming lyrics, good little freaking riff and just yep. great bass lead in. Just, yeah balls to the wall rock and roll right here yeah right yeah no i i really like this song exactly it's, it's almost like it's almost like an an anthem you know kind of kind of song i know mm-hmm. it, i know the message isn't but exactly yeah and again another song with just two chords i mean really yeah. riff all these songs are very focused on a riff that is in one yep. chord and then they'll switch to another chord and that's it that's it and it works but it it's it's that good grinding rhythm that navarro plays and and again the bass line uh that make these very simple songs work yeah 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 creative because i mean it's just i mean that's what it is it's creative if you can do that with just a you know two chords and a really good just really good playing really good riffing a drummer who is incredible Stephen perkins yes. who, uh, is one of the best rock drummers out there uh, yeah just a good great great stuff uh number eight it's interesting uh idiots rule um at first i heard it and i heard the horns and i'm like you gotta be kidding me then i listened to it today and i'm like wait a second and i don't know if it was a difference of listening it to it in the car and listening to it on my home system uh but i all of a sudden, I'm like, "All right, this works." I mean, it's an ad, it's an anti-establishment song. Uh, yes, it, and um, it's like Motown. The horns give it like a Motown kind of feel. Yeah, but with an edge. So, 
it passes. And I did some research on this song. You know who plays the trumpet on this? You'll never, Dizzy Gillespie. No, you'll never guess. It's Flea, the bass player for Red Hot oh, Chili. Oh, I was going to say Flea. Were you really? I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because uh, reading about these guys, he was a former uh, bandmate. Yep. And I was just, I didn't think he played the trumpet, but I, he was the only former guy that I knew. So I was going to say Flea. Yep. He later cool. played, he later was part of Jane's Addiction in the late 90s. Uh, he, right. toured, he toured with them. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's your feelings on Idiot's Rule? I like it. Uh, some really good guitar work in the beginning uh, by Dave. Mm -hmm. uh, again, another good groove. Yep. Funky. Uh, mm -hmm. And the, like you said, the, the trumpets just add a little bit of, like you said, that Motown uh, feel in mm -hmm. a, in a song just to make it just a little bit different than the other ones. Uh, but it works really well, I think absolutely but yeah this is another one i'd crank up in the car and uh listen to all the pieces and parts of the song definitely definitely yep. yeah yeah and then jane says um, i know this is a good song it's just an all-around good song again most yeah. of the song is just two chords and then it just kind of it goes to that third chord at the end very very basic um the first time i heard this actually my brother-in-law had a live version of it on an EP that they released. So it I didn't bet you have to do this good live. I bet you it's good live. It is. It's very good. Yeah. Uh, the, the live version didn't have the uh, steel drums, which are done, which really adds to it. I really love the steel drums on this. Um, uh, the bass goes up an octave uh, at the very, very end. It kind of works that I picked up on uh, the song. Uh, Jane was a heroin addict who uh, actually the name of the band was going to be Jane's heroin, but then they were like, Hey, you can't call it Jane's heroines. You know, that would, that would promote drug use or something. So we'll call it Jane's addiction or uh, anyway, but Jane was a roommate of uh, the lead singer. And uh, she, she was the inspiration for a lot of these songs, including uh, this one. Yeah. So, yeah. I just reading some of the, the lyrics. Jane says, have you seen my wig around? I feel naked without it. She knows they all want her to go, but that's okay, man. She don't like them anyway. Jane yeah. says, I'm going away to Spain when I get my money saved. I'm going to start tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Good. So I think Jane had a lot of problems. She wasn't a prostitute, come to find out. Uh, the Sergio was actually a boyfriend of hers that was <clears throat> abusive. She did have a wig, um, uh, but yeah, so I think she was someone who was always trying to uh, do the best things for herself, but never couldn't quite do it. Could just couldn't quite do it. And we, uh, it sums up addiction. It does. Exactly. You know, you, you have a lot of hopes and dreams and uh, some people just can't get, get through that. Right. Right. Uh, the title, and actually the song is very velvet underground influence if you're not familiar with the velvet underground they did a lot of songs of actual people uh in the andy warhol world yeah uh lisa says stephanie says candy says uh, uh yeah. so it's, it's so it's kind of in the same vein as that um, i i really don't think this is uh probably the uh the song that really shows that i don't think these guys could do this song without the lead singer's voice I don't yes. think this, if anybody else sang this song, I, I don't think it would work. I agree. I don't think I've ever heard anyone cover this song. But yeah. Now that I think of it, that's a good point. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Right. Because, I mean, I couldn't do it. I wouldn't even attempt to do it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And, it, and it's such a simple song, too, but yet complex because of just that factor and that factor. Right. Yeah. yeah. Good. And then it goes into that jazzy interlude, which is great, kind of like at the beginning, how they just kind of set it up. And this song yep. uh, was, what is it? Thank you, boys. I didn't even write it down. Uh, uh, yeah, the next one's thank you, boys. Thank you, boys. Right. It's just like, okay, we're getting towards the end of uh, thank you for coming tonight. <laughs> yeah, <of>. yeah, it <laughs> is. <laughs> I didn't even think of that, but that's that's definitely how they're doing it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then the last, yeah, that, and that shows kind of how 
well these guys can play. I mean, versatile. Yeah. Yeah. They're versatile. That is, I mean, it is jazz. It is, it's a straightforward jazz. No, no, uh, no question about it. Last one. Uh, Pigs and Zen. Uh, this, I listened to it and I'm like, and I'll be careful when I say it because I'm not saying Rage Against Machine were inspired right. by these guys at all. But to right. me, it sounds like Rage. I mean, it's just yeah, like... Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, I mean, in fact, if I didn't know it was Jane's Addiction, I'd be like, is this a Rage Against Machine song that I just haven't heard before? But in, in that sense, it has that funk to it. It has that heaviness to it. And uh, yeah, and... That's all I got to say about that. I, I agree with you. It it's actually one of my favorite songs. I mm. uh, out of if if I had to pick one to listen to over and over, this this would be because of the funk. You know, I'm into funk, funk yeah. and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I wish the only thing about this song is I wish they nastied up the guitar a little bit, just a little more. bit, the, the just rhythm, a bit. just a little bit more. You know, mush on the guitar. Because mm-hmm. I, I really like the rhythm that he's playing, that funky. But mm-hmm. maybe they cleaned it up so it sounds more like, you know, a Motown funk than... than it, uh, it could. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I may be wrong, but I'd like to hear a version that's a little nastier. It'd be I interesting. It, I think it could work. It'd be interesting to see if there's any live versions out there that uh, kind of have... Yeah, it would. Some Maybe somebody covered it. If maybe Rage covered it, right? Yeah, yep. <laughs> I guess it's not not probably not on the uh, top of uh, cover tune the cover tunes list for other bands, but exactly, exactly. Actually, Rage Against Machine put out a album of all cover tunes, and it's great. Uh, one of oh them, really? Yeah, one of them is uh, uh, I'm I ain't gonna work on Maggie's Farm no more. Oh, them. they did that one really. They did that. Then uh, they did a uh, what's the title of that song? Oh, Kill a Man, that's what it's called. It's a remake of a Cypress Hill hip hop song. And of course, Rage is kind of has that element to them anyway. Yep. So they take that song and they just add their own heavy, funky guitar, bass driven, drum driven mm-hmm. you know, beat to it. And it's just like, damn, that's good. It's just like they made that song their own. It's uh, so good. They're, yeah. they're kind of like uh, Credence, you, you know, uh how Credence could take a song and they could play absolutely anything mm-hmm. and make it their own song. Exactly. I don't care what it was. It just seemed like they could take a song. You know, we were talking the other day about uh, heard it through, heard the, through grapevine. the grapevine. Mm-hmm. I mean, they took it and made it better. Oh, they I, totally I think did. they totally did. I think well, they, they could do that with any song. Yeah. They, they took that song and they turned it into just the quintessential jam song. It's oh, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love that song. Yeah. Good. All right. So, I guess my final thoughts of this album, uh, you know, I mentioned that I talked to Scott there yesterday about this being grunge before grunge. Um, I will say this. It was kind of when the indie rock scene out of Seattle kind of took off in, say, 90. For me, it really kind of took over like 93-ish. Maybe it was a little bit before, but for me, that's when it made the complete turn uh, turn where hair metal was all of a sudden completely inconsequential. Indie rock was becoming full-blown mainstream. And I just remember thinking, thank God. (laughs) And this move in this album was came out five years before that. And it could have come out right around that 92, 93 time, because it would have fit in perfectly with the music that was coming out at that time. Right. I think so. I, I think uh, there's elements of grunge, a lot of elements of grunge, but I don't think it's overwhelmingly grungy mm-hmm. uh, because they are very diverse. And uh, the, the style of, especially his lead style, you know how grunge didn't have a lot of lead, you know, mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. It was more just guys cramming on chords. Right. Um, so I think it is uh, grungy with, with, a, with a hint of old blues rock classic rock you know it's probably why i I, you know i enjoyed the album so much i guess what doesn't really fit with jane's addiction and this type of sound is all the glam that the guys in the band had i'm thinking of dave navarro and perry farrell in particular 
It's just like you think of Dave Navarro, the pierced nipples, the feather boys, the tight leather pants. I know. You know, the make and it's like okay, great. You're being your own person, I think. But in the and then when you start dating, you know, your Carmen Electras of the world, you're yeah. on the red carpet and all these award shows, it that's kind of where the contrast is for me. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, Perry Farrell just, I mean, I told the story about the royalties thing and in mm-hmm. interviews in the past where he just seems kind of egotistical, a little kind of douchey. And but he did start Lollapalooza, uh, so he did embrace that culture, which uh, I've never been to one, regrettably. Uh, but, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So it, it, it's interesting. And then you think about like uh, the bands that did come out of Seattle that don't have the glam, the, you know, they're the ones with the flannel shirts. And what, uh, what you're saying is more against the establishment. Yeah. And, and off into. Uh, yeah, I, I hear you. I yeah. hear you. Yeah. And um so i mean there is that kind of contrast there but you can't get past this music which uh as far as album reviews i mean this is one of the better ones we've done as far as i, I think so. yeah i think so it's my favorite one as far as listening to uh like i like i said I, yeah i think this is the first time you mentioned it a, a week ago to uh mm-hmm. start listening to this the first time i've listened to the album all the way through i've heard the songs but uh it really is a good uh, complete album with uh, uh, the songs work together. Uh, mm-hmm. They're in a good sequence. Uh, I think it's really thought out. Uh, and they're all, even though they sound like them, they, they put a, a different little tweak into each song, it seems like. Uh, like you said, uh, the trumpets in uh, one of the songs and then another song, it, it, you know, they might add a, a little something else just to make it sound just a little different. Uh, but that, but still that constant, the good baseline driving guitar rhythm. Um, and like you said, I, I really, uh, uh, Dave Navarro went up a couple notches in, in my book, as far as, especially as a rhythm guitar player, mm-hmm. um, he drives a lot of these songs and, and his leads were are good, solid, uh, leads i mean it's nothing really fancy like you said you can figure it out as a guitar player but they're good solid you know uh, and appropriate leads absolutely yeah and this is the first time i've really listened to the whole album all the way through very very closely and i was actually surprised at how well uh, those leads are played yeah uh, yeah definitely definitely so one through ten what would you give it Yeah, ten being uh, uh, ten being like absolutely, absolutely perfect, not yeah. a bad song on here. Like every single song on here, you'd I'd, have... I'd say seven. Good, good, seven to eight. Seven to eight. Wow, I thought yeah. you'd say I thought you'd rate it higher than that. Well, yeah. I, I'm thinking of you know uh, Led Zeppelin albums and sure, you sure. know that's that's where I'm at. So I mean, seven is seven to eight. I'll, I'll say eight. eight. Um, yeah, it, yep. it's 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 up there. Yeah, I think the highest album we've rated so far, I gave Peter Gabriel's So an 8.5. I know that wasn't your cup of tea, uh, but I think this one I would probably I think I've been going between 8 and 8.5 with Mm -hmm. it all week. I think I'll I think I'm going to go 8.5. I think I'll go 8.5 with this just because um, I think this is one of those albums that considering when it came out and the fact that you can listen to it today and it still sounds uh, modern. I feel like it could almost be put out now or no, I shouldn't say that it was ahead of its time. It was ahead of its time. Like I said, if if it came out five years after 1988, it probably would have sold more and become. It's um, better than a lot of the music that they put out today. Yeah. And that's what I agree. I agree. But I, I would I would throw this this is a uh, I'd throw this album on the Harley and you know blast it mm-hmm. you know while I'm riding around that it's that it's that it's that good I think right and people would enjoy listening to it as well yeah yeah yep. definitely so definitely yeah it's interesting I mean there's probably albums that are perfect tens I mean I 
on Twitter, I'll throw out every once in a while a movie or an album. Uh, what do you what do you think about this one through ten? People, uh, so many people are just so quick to say, "Oh, ten out of ten, ten out of ten. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Back to the Future, ten out of ten. It's just like, no, come on, come on, come on. No, 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 no. Come on, come on, come on. And yeah. then when it when it gets into albums, it's like somebody was saying how the first Boston album is like the perfect album, and I'm like, are you kidding me? The first Boston album is a 10. I oof, I don't know. Do you is not it, like Boston? Or do you like I, Boston? I appreciate how that album was made. I appreciate the vocals. The song structure, but a little bit of nostalgia involved with it too, because I did like it back in the day. A 10. personally i don't like it anymore i will say that but i do recognize how powerful of an album it is but did it like change the progression of music and how music was played and produced after that is it so freaking iconic that it crosses many different tastes uh does it go into pop genres of people that like pop? I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I think it'd be hard to say that was a ten out of ten. I, I think it's 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 tough because I, I think people love that because you can flip on any one of those songs and it just every one of those songs they nailed it on. I think mm-hmm. what whether you like Boston, their style, um, how they do things. It just seems like they nailed every song on that one. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it sounds the the it sounds very produced. I mean, I think mm-hmm. they produced the crap out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that that's I don't I did see Boston live down in uh, down at Bike Week in uh, Daytona, but it was the original singer with a band. Oh, okay. uh, so there's two bands out there. There's one with the original singer singer in the band, and then there's the original band with a new singer. I don't know if it's still that way. That was a few years ago. Yeah, the original singer died um, a few years ago from a drug overdose. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so this, so this, this was like ten years ago. So yeah, he was, he was doing his own. He was quite the diva. Yeah, I saw him at the Iron Horse, and uh, he took a break every fifteen minutes. He oh, did like, he really? <laughs> yeah, he took like three breaks, and he he was. It was just really ridiculous because he was doing the corny, hokey, you know, rock and roll cliche sayings and all you could tell he didn't want to be there you yeah. know kind of thing but he did sound good it probably i think he lived that kind of uh, tragic rock star life of uh, at the end he had to play wherever he could just to i think so make money support his habit and uh, yeah yeah so yeah it, and then that same guy mentioned the car's first album being also a perfect album that one that one I could almost go on, but I don't think I would give it a 10. Uh, I'm a cars point, guy. Yeah. yeah. I, I do like the cars. I will say that. I do like the cars. I don't, and I have that album. I don't, I don't know if I, I'd give it a 10. But. I'm a cars guy and I'd put it, I'd put it at a nine. You'd put it at uh, a nine. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it just, I can listen to every one of their songs. I love their music, but uh, it, it's all very, you know, same, same kind exactly. of thing from the cars it's not not the most creative uh but it's the cars it's the cars yeah yeah right when it's, you hear it you you know it's them it's a sound that's unique to them and yeah. uh yeah 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 it'd be interesting i think one of these days we'll do an album best albums you. yeah best we'll albums best, uh, albums that are a perfect 10 <laughs> yeah no yeah. that's a good one yeah. and I, I would have a hard time honestly of thinking of five i think uh, I I think you should have a hard time of of thinking of five though, man. Right. I mean, there there shouldn't be that. I mean, all those perfect albums out there. It, it's you know, uh, Zeppelin, uh, ACDC. Yeah, you know, there, there's a few that I think a perfect album like you do. Every song is is a is rock solid. Exactly. Right? Every song's rock solid. You don't skip over it. You almost like them all equally. And- yep. Yep. And uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, that'd be a good challenge for us. <laughs> uh, I'm going to I'm going to start putting my list together for yep. you. Yep. Exactly. But, uh, I think that would be a good one. Actually, I trust you. Some people 
would put down like Journey's first album or something. <laughs> Foreigner Four. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm so know. I'm glad I'm choosing you. Uh, well, I I think we have uh, we have a similar taste in music, even though it varies. Uh, yep. Yep. There's some variations, but there's some. Appreciation. I appreciate. I appreciate your music and you appreciate my music. So exactly. it's funny how, I mean, it's, it's pretty level yep. playing field there. Actually, we'll get stout on this too. Cause stout actually stout's the same. Cause stout will choose some good ones too. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, it'll be a good discussion. Try it. So the, the, the challenge is to come up with five, 10 albums, five, top, uh, five, five, five albums that are perfect tens. Yep. Okay. Five or if I can't get to five, let's say three. We'll say three. Yep. Yeah. And we'll have some time to and uh, to think about it as well. Yeah. There's only one I can think off the top of my head, and you'll know which one it is. I won't mention it now because I won't right. ruin the surprise. But no, I'll tell I, you. it's probably on my top ten too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this has been the Wicked Awesome Podcast. Uh, thanks, Eric. And anytime, uh, Matthew. Yeah, it was fun. And to the rest of you, uh, love you all. Until next time, thank you for listening. Take care. <laughs>